Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Not Mayor's Podcast. Today we have a very interesting subject to talk about today. We also have a few guests and some new people on the crew. So without further ado... <laughs> I hate you so much for, for fucking doing that accent. Listen, it's the thing that just comes out of my mouth naturally, alright? <laughs> we all want to die when you do that. All of us want to die. Then my job is successful. I want to kill you all violently. According to some comments, I'm destined to murder you all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that the was thing. yeah, the Simpsons thing. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. what are we talking about today? All right. So today, uh, as our main guest, uh, we also have a couple technicians in the background as well working, but... As far as our on-camera guest, we have Marcus Foreman, who worked as the assistant director for Living Nightmares episodes 1, 3, and 4. And today's topic is actually inspired by a conversation I had with him probably around two years ago now. You probably don't even remember the conversation, but I don't know. It's you were driving me home from something. I don't remember what. doesn't really matter. And somehow we got on the topic of scary movies and you were talking about how there's this one person you were talking to about some horror movie i forget what the movie was but she was saying oh yeah that movie scared me so much and you were thinking to yourself i mean really you're you're an adult like do adults really get scared by movies like you can understand it's like feeling like suspense or if a movie creates like a really creepy tone or there's like something that just sticks in your mind afterwards but actually being scared of a movie as an adult just seemed weird to you and i can understand that as well um and so for today's topic i kind of wanted to talk about all of our personal philosophies of what actually makes a scary movie or what does scary actually mean to us um, because I just definitely feel like I have something a lot different from the three of you. Mark probably has something different from the three of us. Zach definitely has something different from the three of us. Um, so, so, what, so, now, so now we get an opportunity to, and now that we have the topic out of the way, we get an opportunity to introduce our guest, um, uh, the, um, and we'll have him give an opportunity to tell about his amazing involvement with all of our stuff. As well, and then we'll also introduce the awesome people that are behind the camera today as well. So, um, Marcus uh, has been a tremendous help to us in many different things. He's probably the best damn uh, assistant director that I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of them. Um, uh, the, I gave him an excellent compliment, and I'll do it in a public space. Um, he's a guy who knows that we're on a timetable because that's what ADs do. Um, there's many memes making fun of that, but. <laughs> The uh, Marcus in particular is a guy that knows the timetable's going on, but he never lets anybody in on it. Um, he knows what needs to get done, but he makes everybody else feel comfortable around him. And he knows how to put gentle time cones. Like, you know, you'll be traveling down and he's like, is there a, is a cone here? We're going to keep you driving on this path. He doesn't say a word. He just puts a, puts a traffic cone there. And he, and he keeps us on a, on a good path and everything's relaxed. It's a light tone. It's a, you know, it's a fun time. And, uh, and also too, you know, hey, funny enough, keeping me entertained and in the moment and, and as, you know, when I was acting with episode four, which I really appreciated because it was fucking three in the morning and I, and I created an ulcer for myself driving to the set that day. But we'll talk about about that in another podcast but without further ado marcus if you want to tell us all about you sir and then there's our and our guest wow <laughs> thanks that's nice you're welcome 
Uh, I met these guys, these two guys at film school. Uh, I met this guy on this guy's set. Uh, I've been working with them ever since. Um, I'm a writer, director, actor, kind of whatever you need. Uh, <laughs> funny, AD is not my preferred choice, but... Uh, and when I first heard of the position, I'm like, God, that sounds terrible. It sounds <laughs> awful. You've got to be on everybody's back. But having worked with ADs that just get on your nerves, I realized I don't want to be that AD. I want to be the AD that, that you, you want to be a describe. good AD. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're, Appreciate it. You're very, very welcome. It's funny you say you didn't want that position because I never wanted Like I remember being in directing and pre-production. It's like, fuck, being a producer sucks. I don't want to do that. No, look at me. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, I lost my hair because of this job. So the um and hey um we got um uh, our very very special friend um in the on uh, the back we also and a new uh, helper as well Hannah and Vinny are hanging out in the back um switch it over and uh, and then uh, Mark what's your password? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, of course the um uh, the uh, the. Uh, can we cut this one? The, uh, yes, I can cut it. Yes, just we say can. it. Yeah, we can. I'm gonna the, put his password online. The. Uh... <laughs> Vinny, introduce yourself. Uh, Mark, what's your password? Your password. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we do have some very, very special guests hanging out and pressing the buttons and controlling the sound, uh, which I have to give them a lot of credit because this is their first time doing it. Um, I, um, Vinny and Hannah are both behind there, so if you want to switch it over to yourselves and wave, I know there's a tiny bit of a delay. Hello. The, uh, <laughs> that, that, was, that was so weird. It's like, what the hell? All right, I'll switch you back to us. <laughs> Y'all are getting too loud. The uh, no, I hear you. So, um, uh, so without without further ado, now that we have all the introductions going, I think uh, Marcus gets to uh, gets to started just because he is the Ooh. guest. But you do have the option to pass uh, in the event that you don't want to talk about it. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this question. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't. I, I find that strange being uh, adults being scared by movies. Now, I jump scares. Well, I will jump. I'm a jumper. I'll jump out of my seat. Sure, that's sure. That's a natural human reaction exactly. to the sounds and such that are put in. But it, that alone, to me, doesn't make a movie scary. Yeah. No, it definitely doesn't. And to me, that's pretty easy to do a jump scare in a movie. What's harder is to make something that makes your skin crawl, that makes you tense up, that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. That's the stuff I really love in a horror movie. I um, can create that kind of tone. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, before we go into that, like, what is your definition of like an actual jump scare? Because I feel like I kind of differ from most people hmm. in terms of jump scares. They've been pretty. Because like to me, yeah, anything like makes to me jump. Because really. yeah. like to me, a jump scare is like the cheap scare that has nothing to do with the plot, like the cat in the closet. Um, whereas. A scare that still makes you jump, but actually has something to do with the plot, I actually don't count those as jump scares. Okay. And actually the conversation that inspired that change in my philosophy, it was actually in Facebook comments um, when I was talking about The Conjuring. And I thought that movie actually did a really good job at creating a really creepy tone, and I thought it was a good scary movie it set out to scare people and it created a scary tone my thoughts on the sequel and the other conjuring universe movies <laughs> do not share that uh critique but 
Um, this person came on commenting, it's just jump scares. It's not good. And that made me go, I mean, there wasn't really anything that was disconnected from the plot. Like, Mark, Mark, you're probably the biggest fan of The Conjuring. But you, you know what? I actually agree with this. So mm-hmm. I think you and I have talked about this a couple times when it comes to jump scares. And I'm going to break it down to cheap jump scares mm-hmm. and earned jump scares. Okay. Um, or if you really want to get into the, the phrasing, it's scares that make you jump mm-hmm. or it's jump scares. The, um, uh, so, you, you know, um, for me, The Conjuring earned it's jump scares. And there's a lot of movies that earn the jump scares. And, and, and I think most horror fans could tell the fucking difference between when it's a cheap one and when it's an actual legitimately earned one. Yeah. The perfect example is actually in The Conjuring, the, the clap. Like that, that, was that, one. that was earned. That was earned based on tension. Now, the well, tension and also is based on something that was already previously set up with the characters. There was a setup and a payoff. Correct. And, they, and I see, too, one that wasn't earned, and it actually isn't a movie that I love, but it wasn't earned. It's a, it's a kind of a cheap jump scare. was in Scream when she runs into Skeet Orge's character in the hallway, and then they kind of jump. I was like, that's fucking cheap. Like, there's other jump scares in that movie that, are, that work well, and they're, and they're earned, but, you know, like when the fucking chair goes through the window in the Drew Barrymore scene, that was earned. That one, in, that one was, was just cheap. It was... You know that was Wes Craven looking at his watch, going, mm, it's, "It's only been, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of time since somebody got scared, so let's just let's just shove that in there." So you know, so there's a lot of things that um, that break down what is earned and what is not earned, and actually, that's not only in jump scares, but that's in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like you know, is the gore earned? Is you know, it, uh, is the tension earned? You know, um, Jaws tension is earned throughout the entire movie. The um, uh, you know, and then Friday the Thirteenth. The gore in that movie is earned. You felt like it got earned. The, and it's um, not even that gory of a movie, no, especially compared no, no. to what comes after. It, it's yeah, it's no not. Shit. And then fucking Saw, like the later ones, that shit doesn't. It's not earned. There's no tension. There's no like. You just came there to, to see like. Let's see how creative this shit is gonna get. That's literally the only reason you watch Saw movies. It's just like, all right, how, what creative way is this motherfucker gonna die now? You're talking about the older ones. The first one I thought was brilliant. Oh no! The, like the first. Three, I will say they are genuinely good movies and, you know, good story. But after that, I'm just like, all right, I just want to see people die in creative ways. That's literally it. I've got my issues with the third one, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, the third one definitely has its problem, but I'm, I am still very much enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of very cheap thrills and cheap scares. The um, But, you know, it all depends. Like, you know, there's some people. And see, I just get a text from a coworker. I was literally promoting uh, Living Nightmares episode three, and I, and I did it to a text chat. And she's like, well, how scary is this? And just as a little background, E.T. made me anxious. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, who are you? There was a point where E.T. was going to be a horror movie directed by Toby Hooper. That, that would... <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, you know, like, it's so personalized. It is. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. funny enough, the, the story that I get brought up, if everybody, anybody asks me this question, this, and I'm going to let Zach, because this is Zach's story is when your mom was explaining why she didn't let you watch Jaws. That's very personalized. They, you know, what makes you scary is so personal and so primal. It's, it, you know, dependent. That's why Fear Factor had like 20 different things. We're trying to capture 
you know, we're going to catch somebody's fears the, um, in this. We're going to get a general blanket, and then we're going to get somebody. But, you know, I wanted you to tell that story about what your mom was, why she let you watch some things, but not other things. So, I mean, it was mainly Jaws. It's like I was able to watch Friday the 13th Hellraiser, all those fucking movies when I was a kid. No problem. But Jaws, I wasn't allowed to. And the reason being is because I knew that all those horror movies, they're fake. You know, Freddy's not real, Jason's not real, Pinhead, it's all bullshit. Jaws... For the most part, it's a shark. It's real. Could absolutely happen. Has happened before. Well, not the big shark just killing humans for the sake of killing humans. I mean, it's based off a true story, but, you know, the, you know muddle some of the events. Either way, it's like, that's a shark. They're real. You know, so it's it's a whole different ballgame. And then, you know, it's just like, maybe I'd start to think, oh, what else is real? Is Freddy real? Is Jason real? So for a long time, I wasn't allowed to watch that movie, and that's why. Interesting. The um, I think that you know, and again, it's all it's all very personalized on what you know what you you know deem as scary. I mean, like you know, I think The Strangers is one of the most effective you know one of the most effective of that genre because it's random and it could happen to anybody. The um uh, you know, and yet that movie bored me to tears. I know you <laughs> yeah. know. I, I think I think there's some of course yeah the movie as itself, but the concept behind it. You know, when she said, "Why are you doing this?" It's just because you were home. The, um, the trailer is uh, scarier than the movie. I know it's funny how that works. Yeah, that movie was. I gotta agree with him on that. One. The uh, you know I I you know figured <laughs> I, you know and they didn't they didn't want to be on camera. I knew they would have things to say. The oh um, my the oh um, my. Uh, the oh uh, my so Vinny um, loves the camera. The uh, I mean you know we're both camera horse, but uh, whatever. The um, but anyway, the, I'm very curious, you know, too, you know, and I have a question for you um, specifically because you're the only one that has this perspective. Has your perspective changed on what is scary? The um, you know, maybe through cinema and through you know other things when before you had kids and then after you had kids. Um, because that's got to affect some shit with how you know you you run the gamut of what's scary and what's not scary. The, Absolutely. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. So uh, I've thought about this because I've been thinking about this topic this week. And um, as I was telling him, I reached a point in life where nothing scared me anymore. Not because I'm Mr. Brave. I just just didn't care. Once, I don't know how if you want to keep this in there, how dark you want to get. But once you start, when you think of suicide every day for couple decades you just don't care so what the hell's gonna scare me now what scares me is anything happening to my kids it's terrifying in fact I had a friend who said yeah nothing scared me until I had kids so yeah that's the scariest thing to me is something bad happened to my kids you know what and I think and I think that's the funny thing and, and I was thinking about this topic too and it's it's about specifically that there was um, and I know some people roll their eyes when I say this but there's there's a one specific element of zombie movies in particular or maybe like mass vampire movies or thing, things like that is the feeling of feeling powerless uh-huh. to defend people that you love like uh-huh. you know especially people that are weaker like my niece and my nephew and my sisters and you know and then a lot of times in zombie movies that concept is brought up many many times about you know a, I think I can't remember which movie it was but it was literally a guy who was who saw his daughter and his wife um, you know, being you know about to be attacked by zombies, and then there's an open window there, and he chose to jump out the window and then let his wife and and, and, and daughter get. The, so it's like, and then also too, you know, the um, uh, you know, in one of the movies, um, the and I and this is my problem of mixing up zombie movies like I'm shuffling cards, but there's another one where their kid daughter, their two year old daughter, gets infected and then attacks the the wife's husband, you know, and it's just. 
that particular and yes, zombie movies can get very redundant and very much, but that concept that happens is actually scares the shit out of me as a person because the Freddies and the Jasons of the world and everything else, especially the Freddies, that's very personalized. That motherfucker's gonna come for me in my dreams. That's my dreams. The um, uh, you know, and then you know, scream and you know, and you know, Chucky, I just throw him out the window, you know, or you know, like you know, but when you're dealing with multiple things and you know, it becomes the the tides turn against you to control the situation. That's when things get really, really scary. At least that's a very personal thing with me. When it's one on one. It's 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 very different, you know, or even you know one on five. But when it's one on a hundred and you can't control the situation, and at the end of the day, you don't really give a shit about you. You give a shit about the people that you can defend. But when you can't do that, you can't defend them. It's fucking horrifying. You're making me think of the end of the mist. Mm, yeah, yeah. The um, uh, no, I, I, that was an ending. Yeah, yeah. The, and some really <laughs> shitty timing too. <laughs> whoops! <laughs> whoops! <laughs> That's the biggest fucking whoops in cinematic history. Like, holy shit. Dude, that's, like, you know how they're making those memes? It was was a good ending, though. Even Stephen King said, I wish I thought of that. Man, that's a compliment if I've ever heard uh, one. The novella just ends with them driving off. Yeah. Heading towards yeah, and the uh, I do this a lot of fucking like memes with, with Casey Anthony the um, about like uh, uh, if you have kids that like, you get an extra fourteen hundred dollars in stimulus check. That's her with a face going. The um she did make that meme with the guy on the mist. It's just going whoops. The um uh, I am a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't find humor in dark places, then, you know, there's just no point. Then Why are you here? here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was cute. Did you guys practice that? But no. They, Fuck you. They, they, um, uh, but I I gotta hear it from Zach, though. I gotta hear some shit from you. On, <laughs> like, you, like you, you're hard-pressed to find anything. Dude, it's, it's fucked up. Like, nothing. Why? Like, really, like I, I don't care. Mm. That's re- like really. That's my biggest thing. I don't care. I can separate myself from so much shit. Like, if the zombie apocalypse were to happen today, it's like, all right, I'm just going on a fucking murder spree. I don't give a shit. So it's like, I mean, shit. I don't know. Things don't scare me. Murder. Lo- I love. It's. But the, I. I'm dead serious. Like, if something scares me, I don't know what the fuck it is. Like, I'm, legitimately. Okay, I'm not scared because, like I said, I, I don't know what yeah. it's like to be, but creeped out weird like ooh that's that's like I mean there are things that disgust me but it's like the um, I can handle it nothing raises the hair on the back of your neck nothing yeah. gives you the, the, the uh, you know what I think, I think I mean other than people eating mayonnaise not really <laughs> <laughs> like seriously Homer you fucking monster I want you to burn in hell for all eternity you piece of precursor shit I was actually uh, talking to my girlfriend about this topic yesterday as well and she kind of landed on um, other types of movies other than horror movies typically tend to scare and disturb more than the actual horror movies. Horror movies, for the most part, feel more roller coaster ride. Like, mm. you're along for the ride. Um, whereas, like, there are some other movies, I forget which ones were brought up. Um, in fact, actually, I'm not even sure if we did bring up any specific examples. Um, no, there was a Sarah Silverman movie that she brought up. Um, can't remember the title, but that one's very true to life. It's about Sarah Silverman fighting like alcoholism, and that one's more about like the actual real world situation. And something like that tends to be more disturbing or more 
um, ingrained in your brain afterwards in terms of making you feel something than the roller coaster ride of a horror movie. And I was talking about the what I think is my scariest movie, which is actually a sci-fi comedy um, called Sorry to Bother You, um, because there's something in that movie that I have actually seen firsthand in my life. So it's like that movie is not entirely science fiction to me. I have seen companies do something very similar to something that's in that movie not to spoil i don't want to that's one of those movies that you shouldn't go in knowing anything about should be very spoiler free going in but yeah that to me is actually the scariest movie i've seen because uh that's not sci-fi to me (laughs) the uh it's always funny how like you know reality you know can always get close to them i think that's why twilight zone was so fucking successful i mean like they were talking about things that were really going on in life yeah the um, truth is scarier than fiction. Very, yeah. very political show. Very. Which actually, uh, that that kind of, uh, I found that funny when it's like people were criticizing the new CBS All Access version of Twilight Zone for being too political. I'm like, so you've never seen the original Twilight Zone, have you? Well, I mean, don't forget, like, it was political for that time. For that time. Times are different, so people may have seen it, but they wouldn't know what the politics were back then for the most part. But still, it's saying, I do feel like if you are going to do a version of the Twilight Zone, it should have some sort of, not every episode, because not every episode of the original was political, Mm -hmm. but it still embraced that aspect of true life to it. So it's... That's where I learned a lot of my morality, from the original Twilight Zone series. Yeah. Basically, karma. Yeah. Yeah. Which there, there are issues with the new Twilight Zone beyond anything political. It's, yeah. First season was like, uh, this felt, uh, episodes felt like they were written by three different people who each had three different points they wanted to make. And none of them, it was like, how did we get from A to B to C here? But we're getting off topic here. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about morality. I got most of my morality from, let's see, Predator, God of War, Star Wars, mainly <laughs> Predator. Star Wars is a good one. That's a good one to get some to get some yeah. morality. That's very that's very you know black and white dark you know, side, yeah, dark side, light yeah. side. Yeah, but I base most of my honor code off the Yaucha code. The, uh, I don't know what that is. It's it's a very very nerdy thing that I do not want to get into right this moment. <laughs> the um, uh, you know I, I think that the one thing too is that, that I find interesting is that you know why. People who don't, it's different when you know how the, you know, as the, the say, how the sausage is made. We're all in film. We're all in filmmakers. So it's very difficult to do that. So I'm very curious, like, you know, what you guys think about people that are not involved in this and how they perceive horror movies or, you know, thought-provoking ideas, you know, that may be scary to them, um, you know, and how they process it. Because, you know, some people fucking hate being scared. They hate that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I always find it interesting, like, why some people do and why some people don't. Um, uh, you know, and what what's that deciding factor? The um, Because most people, you know, I, I mean, I got, okay, so I go to Halloween Horror Nights as much as I can. My cousin Kevin fucking loves Halloween Horror Nights. The, my cousin Corey cannot fucking stand it. The, um, uh, you know, they're both brothers, and, and he cannot fucking stand it. He, he goes, why would I pay to go be scared? The, um, uh, you know, why would I invest my money to go do that? It's funny. I don't consider going paid to being scared. I go, I consider paying to go to a fun land, in my personal opinion. Like, you're like when we went to fucking, uh, what the hell was it called? Uh, uh, 13th floor? No, State Asylum. Yeah, Statesville. Like, the nurses were just like, come stay with us. I'm like, okay. Mark's just like, bitch, get back here. I wanted to stay and party with these people. And Mark's over here just like, no, we got to go. We got to go. Don't you stay. It's kind of like how I was saying earlier. It's a ride. 
Yes. And it's fun. I'm not scared. I'm having fun. I'm walking through this entire place with the biggest fucking smile on my face. At the back of my head, I'm like, I'm an asshole. These people, I'm supposed to be scared by these people. But I'm over here just like... <laughs> I, think, I think it's both, man. Because if you watch people in haunted houses and everything else, first they're scared and then they laugh hysterically. Yeah, I think yeah, people yeah. like... People like to be in danger, but know that there's no consequences of danger. Yeah. They, that's why people walk, do roller coasters. That's why people do haunted houses. Why people watch horror movies is to get them on the edge of the precipice, but never actually be in any real danger. Hey guys, yeah. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, and there's something else I like too. It's like with horror movies, like just with any movies in general, because like it is hard. Like like I said, we are in filmmaking. We are filmmakers, so it's like we know how all this stuff is made. And I did kind of go through my asshole phase, where just like no movie could impress me because like oh they could have done this better. And then I just kind of had still that, like that. No, oh well, no, it's like and then I'm just like yeah, it's I just need to embrace what filmmaking is. And so it's like I do like to give myself over to the stories that these movies make. So it's like, can a horror movie, does a horror movie actually scare me? No. But will I give myself over to the story and for the ride of it and like allow myself to feel creeped out or whatever the movie wants me to feel? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going somewhere with this. Um, I'll write the coattails of that. So yeah, yeah it's like I, I used to kind of be a little bit more hardcore on like visual effects and graphics and stuff like that but you know as i've gone further it's like i watch more hollywood movies and i'm just like this is fucking boring it's stupid i don't give a shit and now i've started I, i've watched more independent horror movies recently especially after starting this channel and hell over the past year and i'm like this is fun why the fuck aren't we funding these things these these are guys who are just making fun stories fun rights and hell even if it's bad if I'm lassing, la lassing, laughing my ass off at how bad the movie is, then fuck it. I'm laughing. I'm having a good time. I wasn't getting that with the piece of shit A24 fucking four film that these assholes made me watch. No. Fuck them. I'd much rather watch this piece of shit and have a good time because at least I'm laughing and there's a fucking story. Anyways. <laughs> He's not better. <laughs> with that uh, rant. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with that rant, I was going to throw in that um, I think this is where it kind of comes up to is is what we see or don't see scarier. Um, that's a big question I have because... It's very Hitchcockity. Well, because, well, there's even like... A lot of people find like the gore... Like some people, well, I, I like gore movies, don't get me wrong, and I like them this and that, but do they really actually scare me? I would say no, they really don't. Um, a good example... Something, you already mentioned it, but for whatever the reason, rather than a madman with a mask hacking kids up, I'm much more terrified by the scene in The Conjuring where the mom is walking around blind thinking she is playing a game with her child and we see in the cupboard open up, or the, the closet, uh, the, like the dresser or whatever it is open up, and we see these dead, white, solid human hands. Are they human? They're human, but they're not human. And they clap. There is this otherworldly presence that is clearly there. I, I find that much, something like that, a spirit like that, being that close to life, uh, that much more terrifying. Yeah. When it comes to that discussion, I'm always on the side of, I, I want to see it. 
I came to the movie to visualize something. I want to see every little fucking thing you can possibly show me. This hide and don't show thing always annoyed the crap out of me. I'm a visual person. I love the gore. Does it scare me? No. But it entertains me. So I want to watch, I want to see, and I want to know. This hide shit, don't tell, and just play the fucking mystery machine crap annoys the crap out of me. Page 24. Well, on that note, um, and also I do remember where I was going earlier before, but I'll pick that up in a second. Um, I think uh, showing and also not showing are both very important tools. Um, It's all about the psychology you want to make with your movie. Um, For me, I do like to see stuff, but also I don't discount the power of a cutaway to a reaction during the showing. Because it's like, to me, it's like showing like the violence is the situation. And then during that, if you cut to a reaction, that creates the specific emotion you want the audience to feel during this as well. And then there are also those times where it's like I was listening to a Joe Dante podcast and he was saying, yeah, back in like the super practical when everything was practical, sometimes when they cut away, it's not that they planned to cut away, it's that the effect was not working the way they thought it would the day of filming. <laughs> and they were kind of stuck. So something I will add on to that, there's also timing. Sometimes, yes, you want to hide stuff for tension and it's yeah. like, okay, if you want to do that, fine, show it later. Do not go the whole movie without showing me nothing. Show me something at some point. Give me a reward. Reward me for my patience, okay? It just... It depends. Yeah. Blair Witch, to me, is one of the best examples of that. I watched that whole movie, and I saw the last, what, 20 seconds. I'm like, what the fuck? Did I miss it? And I rounded it, watched it again, and no. There's no payoff yeah. Yeah. for that whole movie. Um, I think, it's, I think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, and I'm going to go back to I feel the same way about jump scares as I do about when it comes to showing versus not showing. Is it earned? Is it earned? But I do agree with Zach to an extent though that you you do have to show you know, you have to show something eventually. Yeah. You yeah. have to you have to make good on your promises of what you, of what you've done. The biggest example of this is Jaws. It's gradual progression. Correct. You the the beginning of the movie, you don't see the shark. When the shark attacks the kid, you kind of see its fin and the geyser of blood that comes up. And then, you know, once the guy in the fucking little rowboat gets murdered, you see the size of the shark and he just gets dragged down. It's awesome. And then at the end of the movie, you get a full-size picture of that great white going across there's the boat. There's a progression. Yeah. There's they good don't progression. show everything all at once. Because if they showed that shark right up front in the movie, you saw the shark. Yeah. yeah. And, and also it didn't fucking work. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main reason. Which, yeah, it's yeah. what movie would we have gotten if the shark worked? Yeah. Jaws 3. That's the movie we would have gotten. Yeah, Jaws 3. Um, hey, 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 Jaws 3 is a great movie, all right? Ooh, and then I, I do also... Save the dolphins, the dolphins. I hated that movie. There was also, in film school, there was a person in one of my classes, I think it was acting and directing, the one where you could only have like two actors in it or something like that. I think that was it. Mm. I don't Did know. You, you, your curriculum was What the little, hell? Yeah. That yeah. Was okay. Um, and what this one student did was that um, he did a short where it was basically a Saw ripoff. <laughs> and it was a guy and a girl, and the girl had to cut the guy open and like take his entrails and guts out and everything. And it just kept going on and on and on. It was like f- nearly three minutes straight 
of this and it was to the point and it's like it's not cutting away and it's like it's to the point where it's like this isn't creepy or gross or scary and it, this is beyond this is no longer the emotion you want me to feel this is comedy now <laughs> so it's like so yeah show stuff but also have enough mind to know when to cut away to create the emotion you want Here, here's a fun example of that so when i did my dream sequence project for uh editing um i have this scene where this demon cuts and tears the heart out of somebody and i kind of held the shot for a good like three or four seconds but my editor told me or my editing teacher told me shorten it to like maybe uh two and a half seconds and i did and the shot was much more effective yeah. mm. so yeah i mean timing is actually key and you know what you get the fucking visual and it's time perfectly you know everything works don't 824 your film and hold on the shot for 20 minutes to let your soundtrack play out there's and a um, brand. The, you know what though and the funny thing it, it, it's <laughs> There's the philosophy of Ernest Lubitsch. He was a director in like the 30s and 40s. Oh, yeah. Get in and get out. Hold up. Ernest Lubitsch. Yes. And his motto is get in and get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, oh my God, God yes. No, Good night, folks. The <laughs> no, like, philosophy is like get into the scene, make your point, don't linger on it, move on to the next scene. I bet it is. A, oh my god, that's fucking fantastic. They, you know, Lubitsch. I don't know if that was verbatim what he said, but that was basically the whole, he basically came up with like these rules of filmmaking, and one of them was basically when you've made your point, move on. The um, no, it's good. You know, it, it is. It's good. And also too, you can do both. The um, uh, a, a perfect example of that is Psycho. Is Alfred Hitchcock Psycho? The um, uh, you know, you could have sworn you saw that fucking knife go in, and it never. And then you go back and watch it again, and you're like, it never actually went in. But the psychology of how the shot was built and how it was edited made you believe, and the music made you yeah. believe that you know that you saw that knife go in, and then like there's only like one frame that actually shows a little bit of the knife going in, but. It's all implied, and then that's the thing to do with Jaws. You know the barrels, the the barrels. You know you you like that shark's over there. No, it's not. It's it's a it's a bunch. It's you know two guys you know pulling fucking barrels underwater right now. The um uh, you know but but that's a way that you can show and not show at the same time, or give the illusion that you're showing, but you're not really showing anything. It's how you set it up and how it made it work and everything else. I mean that movie, no shit, my. <laughs> Nana saw that movie when she was like 13, 14. She did not, she did not shower for a month. Hmm. She she refused. She 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 oh, actually. Psycho or Jaws? Psycho. psycho. She made her dad like like sit in 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 the bathroom while she showered because she was afraid that Norman Bates was gonna come and fucking murder her. <laughs> there, the um uh, you know and 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 that's how effective and and it's essentially if you watch that shot without not any music. Or any context, anything else. It just looks like a bunch of random flashes, and then you're like, "I didn't see anything." And the funny thing is that that's you know it really is. And same thing with Halloween. You didn't see shit. The um, uh, you, there's no gore in that movie. There's no you know there's no none. none. But like you know, it, I mean, there's a butcher knife that miraculously becomes longer after it impales the guy. Yeah, the wall. that's always uh. Either way, the gore in those movies is good. There's no Halloween movie with good gore. Actually, no. The the recent one they came out actually it's pretty good gore, but the rest of them fucking suck. Jason for the win! I don't know. I, I liked the bugs and snakes coming out of that kid when he wore the mask in Halloween 3. That dumbass movie. May, uh, may, may, that, may that song haunt your nightmares forever. Let's not. The, um, <laughs> uh, so, but the, How uh, many more days until Halloween? Shut up. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's such an asshole sometimes. The um, uh, but you know what? I think that there's something to be said about the monster that you create in your own imagination. Absolutely. I think it's harder for us because we're we're going like. Well, if I wanted to do that, I would just go and write it myself. The, you know, and then go create something else for my own imagination. I don't need. You know, I want to be entertained and see something. You know, and 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 be and my time to be valued. Um, and everything else because we know the process. We know how it works. It's hard. It's hard when you are actually a person who films. You know, or actually is a filmmaker. Harder to get away with some things sometimes. It is. And you guys were talking about indie horror uh, earlier. Um, I really liked It Follows. And that's simple. That's one per. That's a person walking slowly You're behind you. You're allowed to think that. That's <laughs> all it is. And that movie still it's just... Free country. It's... Throughout it, there's a lot of tension. You're like, fuck, how do you get away from this ever? There's that. But I like the reason I love that movie is I thought the idea was amazing. Demonic STDs. That's <laughs> hilarious and awesome. Why has this never been done? I love it. It's genius. I'll take Night of Something Strange. Thank you very much. I don't give a shit. STDs. I haven't seen that one yet. I'm just saying It Follows was hilarious and it was done well. I'm just like, okay, it's not as graphic as I'd like, and but it it's still so fun. And it was minimalistic. You didn't yeah. have to show this or show that. You showed They showed just enough to where it, it, it was successful. It worked. Yeah, the um, I think I think oftentimes too is I think the one big thing with horror movies I think sometimes you have more of an emotional investment when you give a fuck about the characters. Oh, totally. The, um, that too. You know the um, there's a bunch of different examples, and actually Zach's gonna get really pissed at me about this one, but I don't really give a shit. I I watched The Burning the other day. I gave a shit way more about the fucking characters in The Burning than I did on Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, totally. You don't they, care about Kevin Bacon? Uh, not really. Not on that one. The um, uh, you know, they, there was far more of an emotional investment in those characters. Look, <laughs> what? Yo, if I can interject too, he there there totally is. I I thought so. That also on top of it, the the makeup of that of that killer in that is far scarier. Which, that was also Tom Savini. Is far scarier than most slashers I've ever seen. Um, what's creepy is, too, is he doesn't just pick off one, two, three. He actually, they, they build up and they wait. Like, I, I think I said to Mark, I said, you know, we're, we're, we're all a little more than halfway into this. Spoiler alert. We're a little more than halfway into this. And I think only one person's dead. There's a raft of, like, Six of them trying to go back. He comes up out of a canoe that they find just floating. It's such a great buildup. And he kills all of them, mows them down all at once. So this isn't a killer that's just going and taking out one, two, three. This is somebody that comes in and just mows down a whole group of them. In, 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 in a, in I love the timing, too, because he, he just said that. <laughs> and like, I wonder who's going to die. And then, like, ten people die. It was great. On a side note for Friday the 13th. Well, first off, have you seen The Burning? No. But I just want to say... It's first movie. Okay, good for him. (laughs) You watch the movies to watch campers get murdered. Not watching it because you give a shit about the characters. Unless you want to talk about Tommy Jarvis and you have an argument there. Or maybe even part seven. Uh, Tina was awesome. But anyway, besides the point. You're watching it because you want to see Jason murder the shit out of people. That's it. Don't try to make the timeline make sense. Your head will hurt, and it's it's just not worth it. But you know what? The, the funny thing is, I got both with the burning. I I got I got a, I got emotional investment in the characters, and I got to watch watch a bunch of teenagers get murdered. You know what? You didn't get Jason in a hockey mask, so screw you. But neither did you in the first movie. That's kind of why Jason in the hockey mask has never been one of my favorites. There's just not that much investment. It's people getting killed, and okay. You don't like seeing people die, Marcus? Ah. Uh, 
Uh, uh, what was the movie? Fatal Terminal. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Final Destination. Loved the first one. Very clever, very creative idea. After that, it was just watching people die. You didn't like, yeah, the, like, the, you didn't like the second or third one? All right. This, like, I love the first three. I think, you know, for the most part, the characters in the first three movies, like, they did phenomenally. After that, it's just like, kind of like so. You're like, all right, this is kind of getting ridiculous. Time to just watch people get murdered in ridiculous ways by an invisible death. You know, like, yeah. why am I here again? The um, Especially that fourth one. Like, I'm like... They use Mr. Mercury to make the blood in this? Holy shit. I could do that. Dude, like, the first one, though, had something. Like, it had a tangible, like... I'm like, there's something really interesting about this idea. And even if, like, I know... I know the concept. I know it. Like, we, we all know it. We've been... We've, it's been ingrained in our, you know, in our whole existence. We make jokes about driving behind, you know, a giant truck with a bunch of metal shit. Everybody makes... It's in the cultural. But when you watch the first movie, there's just something about it. And I think, like, a lot of that, too, is comes from it being a previously pitched X-Files episode. So I think some of that kind of that it kind of feel comes in. It does also play into a fear that a lot of people have about flying. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I which there was a period in my life where I kept forgetting that the first one was the airplane and for some reason like whenever whenever I'd be browsing Netflix like the night before I'm flying somewhere, I see Final Destination and I was like, "Oh, Final Destination." <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this. I'll never, I just brought up the oh, story. Which uh, I also say, when you actually really look at that scene in the first Final Destination, when they're on the plane, when you really look at the set, I feel like we could actually probably rebuild that airplane set. But because it's so well edited and the sound and the music, you buy it. And my favorites, my one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when he gets everybody off the plane and his two buddies are literally fighting. And there's that great shot um, where you see them like literally almost in a fist fight and they're going back and forth and then all of a sudden in the background, uh, you're literally yeah, yeah. seeing the plane go up and then it explodes and then everyone gets knocked back. It, it was like, I was like, that's insanely yeah. effective. Because yeah. it's like the plane is totally not the focus of that shot. No, it's yeah. not. It's yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, um, you know, I was actually just going to say a funny story. Um, years ago, uh, there was, <laughs> was a previous a previous person I was dating. The um, I had recommended Fight Club um, to her to watch, and she was traveling somewhere in a plane, <laughs> and she and she's like, she's like, yeah, I caught I caught Fight Club when I was on a plane. I was like. Like, you do know that the first five minutes of that movie is a horrific plane crash. <laughs> Life insurance pays out triple if you die on a business trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, and she's like, yeah, you didn't tell me that, ass. <laughs> it clearly was not meant to be. It was not. I, and, and the funny thing is I totally forgot about that first five minutes. I was just recommending it because it's Fight Club. Yeah. The, um, and I'm like, it's a great movie to like, see it, but I totally forgot about that first five minutes of the plane blowing. <laughs> So another one of my favorite minutes moments from uh, Final Destination is, and because this goes back to jump scares, is when the girl says, "Well, they, they just drop fucking dead, and turn around, Wham! Yeah. right with the box." <gasps> yes, that was a great jump scare. Yeah, that was perfect and earned yes. and yes. earned very oh, I saw very. Someone coming a mile away. I'm just like. Three, two, <laughs> one. Bam! That's one of those ones where it's like you like it because you see it coming. The um, I and I think too, you know, there's a lot of you know great horror movies out there that you know I always there are movies. I think there's two kinds of horror movies for me. There's the ones that the Zach love, and I do love them as well. That you just watch people go to get killed in creative and fun ways. They're fun. They they can be campy, and there are some ones too that have an emotional investment in them that I even more appreciate. 
perfect example, and I bring it up a lot, and this is going to roll their eyes, but it is still one of my favorite horror movies, is The Final Girls. Um, there's an emotional... Have you ever seen that? The Final Girls? The Final Girls. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's basically... Um, Why would we make fun of you for that? I don't know. They, um, they bring it's a basic, point. and he chooses movies he just saw within the past week. They um, actually, I did watch it a week ago because I love it. They um, it's, it's you know you always explain the plot better of that movie. So um, uh, you ever seen Last Action Hero? Yeah, it's the Last Action Hero horror movies. That's how I describe it. Okay. That's they, how I describe it to these two guys, which they forgot about that. It's funny. He described this movie to us several times before us finally watching, and then it's just like he puts it on one night. He's just like, all right, cool. This is the last action hero of horror movies, guys. Yeah, okay, cool. We're watching it, and then the thing happens, and then me and Mark just share. But wait. Holy shit! This is the last action hero horror movies. <laughs> we just see him get so mad. Brandon's Brandon's like like. You don't it, listen to me. No, no, it was even. You wait. don't pay any attention to wait, me, guys. Do you hear something? Yeah, exactly. The um, he's like, these are the best friends I could do. <laughs> this is the best I could do. The um, <laughs> I hope the camera's on his face right now. <laughs> I just wish we were recording our viewing session to that because that was such a fun fucking oh, time. Oh, dude, dude, the only reason the only reason we have it in a screen room is because of the of the fucking music copyright shit that oh, is in that movie. Like, there's a too. lot of fucking music in that movie, and the great part about that movie is there's an emotional invest. By the way, like I, what I'm about to explain is 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 in the trailer. You can watch it in the trailer. Essentially, uh, the um, there's a girl whose mom was in like a Friday the Thirteenth movie way back in the day, and she passes away. And like a year later, it's it's the anniversary of that movie, and she goes there to go watch the movie. Um, uh, you know, one of I think her best friend's brother convinces her to go and see them. And then the theater lights on fire, and they end up going inside. They end up going through the screen, and then they end up inside the movie. And then she gets to see her mom, who passed oh, away. It's not her mom; it's the character, character. her mom played. They um, uh, and it's and it's in the emotional impact of that movie carried even. The most sense, the most unemotional person that I know in the review actually said, "Yeah, that actually worked for me on an emotional level." The, it was uh, a beautiful fucking movie. The, um, it was it was an absolute blast. Everything. Some of the worked. best character development I've ever seen in a horror movie in my life. Um, I do remember. If you don't like gonna... it, you're a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember what I was going to say earlier uh, about like letting myself go along for the ride of horror movies because um, I kind of came to this realization recently is like people always kind of go that movie doesn't scare me no movies scare me it's they remind me of a character in a show that these guys showed me uh remember Ryder Strong in that one episode of Home Improvement when Tim Allen turns this basement into a haunted house and Ryder Strong's just like this isn't scary and it's just like you're just being an asshole everybody else is there (laughs) to have fun and yeah you know and, and that's I think that's part of part of the thing too and this comes back to you know if you know how to sausage is made it's harder to let yourself get into it you know and I related to when I was going through haunted houses the um uh, you know I was always on my toes and then I, I the um and there was only like two times that I got got and they were great it was super fucking impressive that they that they got me but then finally it was like right near the close um of this and I ended up keeping this tradition it was a cabin in the woods um haunted house Hmm. And I was like, I love Cabin in the Woods. I'm going to go through this. But I'm going to go through this. I'm going to be invested in it. I'm not going to go in, you know, like, checking my corners and everything else. I'm just going to go and have fun. And the funny thing is, ironic, is I had way more fun when I was just, just hanging out and just going through. And I think that sometimes that comes into play about your enjoyment and 
being scared, very much piggybacking off of what Brandon said is, you know, that comes into play a lot. You know, when we watch, and sometimes when we watch horror movies, being horror fans, we're like, we're like, eh, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, sometimes you have to take a breath and just re- allow yourself to go into it. And actually that helped out with going to Halloween Horror Nights anymore. It wasn't just about the set design and the costumes and all that, which is all great. It's, it's all a huge part of the experience. But it was more about, you know, how Zach feels about it is is the enjoyment of being there and the enjoyment of it. and I think that's sometimes that's missed with horror movies and when you watch too many of them it gets to a point where you're like oh well here's the checklist here's what's gonna happen and then you know da 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 but if you you know you take a second take in the fucking scenery correct like take just it in. like if you actually have the opportunity to just kind of stand there and just look around and just enjoy yourself it's great. Like when you don't have long ass lines behind you and everybody's just kind of rushing through like I just like just being there and just being like. I fucking love this. You know, I would love to live here. This <laughs> is fucking great. You know what? And that's how I actually watched The Conjuring for the first time. Was the the people I watched it with happened to be in an apartment with very, very few windows. And they turned the lights off and it was completely pitch black except that one, the one screen movie. And, you know, people were talking behind but I couldn't see anybody because it was that dark in there. And I'm like, this is how you watch a fucking horror movie. Not on your phone, not in you know, not dicking around, but you know, but really in the right environment to watch it. You know, sometimes that takes a little bit of setup, but I think you're going to be in a much better place, and I think you get much more enjoyment out of it, and maybe much more tension, fear, whatever the case may be, is out of it, and then be able to enjoy it on a different level, rather than you know being the the asshole, you know, and saying, "Well, I could have done that better." You know, look at that. What's going on there? That's ridiculous. I just really enjoy saying that for fucking Hollywood films because it's like if they're shitting it, it's like really, bitch. With that budget, yeah. exactly. Fuck you. Yeah, it, it becomes it comes you know kind of a silly, silly thing. So the um. Uh... So okay, it's almost like you're saying you're not necessarily scared by the movie, but you're scared for the character. You because you're invested in the character, you're concerned like, oh no, they're gonna die or. Or how are they going to die? Yeah, I think I think if you put yourself in the, in the shoes and, and you really get invested in it, that's a much better yeah. way of time. Because we when we get into like the trying to psychoanalyze ourselves, you know, you know, sometimes you know it gets to the point where Zach's like, you know, I don't really give a shit about. I'm not really scared about anything. But I think if you put yourself in those shoes, the um, I think you'll find a much more you know a, a better way to enjoy it um, and a better way to react to it. At least that's my perspective. I don't know how you guys feel about that. One thing I'm very much looking forward to is when horror really takes over virtual reality. Ooh, there was, there's a thought. Yeah, like virtual reality, I've been experimenting it with it more recently since I got a good VR headset. And I, like, I started playing Doom 3 on it, and it's the horror version of Doom, essentially. And it's it's fucking fun. Um, but, you know, it's it's still an action game, but it's like... There's this game Blade and Sorcery that's out... It's a very violent, violent game. Essentially, it's supposed to be like a medieval simulator and stuff like that, but it's essentially a simulator for psychopaths like me. <laughs> like, I will literally just stand there, put it on a 1v1, grab a knife, and just start playing with somebody's guts and just stabbing the shit out of them, doing the most violent, grotesque shit I could possibly do. I sent him a video, I'm just like, so you think this is violent? <laughs> and it's just 20 minutes of this one guy just beating the shit out of people. And, like, you can grab somebody by the skull and just bash their head into a concrete. It is so beautiful and satisfying I'm waiting for rockstar yeah, to release to, to, to me it's not worth getting a vr headset until they make a game based on the lawnmower man oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways that's a level of immersion i've been waiting for my whole life 
So to get an ex a horror experience like that will be amazing. Like I hope for some reason they do Alien Isolation I in VR. I was literally just thinking that. Because if they do that, that would be like Alien Isolation for me is the best horror video game out there right now. And if they were to bring that into VR, holy shit, that'd be amazing. Or another good one, the first fucking Dead Space. Ooh, yeah, that's that would be another phenomenal VR game. That was, you know what? You know what's funny too is I actually went back and played. Um, the original Halo, and I threw on noise canceling headphones, and that whole flood, you know, flood um, uh, level took on a whole new meaning for me. It's beautiful. Um, uh, the sound design on that is is fucking amazing. You know what though? I think that that that'd be an interesting thing to to add to the experience. Just that watching a horror movie with noise canceling headphones. I mean, it's still meh. Like it's, it's like for me, it's still a movie. Like video games are different because you're you're, you're, at, in, it. you're, you're in, in them. You're, you're playing in. them. And it's like adding the whole virtual reality element to it just makes it that much better. And you know what I think we found? I think we found where Zach's, where Zach's next step is, his line is, which is immersing yourself into something that's totally immersive. You know, you, you can, you're, you're blocking out everything. It's very ready player one that way. And I cannot wait to get to that level. <laughs> where you can make anything. It'd be a lot of fun. The, um, what, what about you, Brandon? About what they um uh, you know what do you what are your thoughts on the the full immersive you know immersive experience virtual with, reality with virtual stuff reality. like that like yeah. I've never even tried virtual reality before and I've never really been much of a gamer in my adult life. What about so. movies? What do you think movies will get to that uh, get to that point? And they you do have VR videos. I mean, I remember um early on when they were starting starting to come out with the Google cardboards and stuff for like phones. Just, yeah. They had that advertisement for the Nun. Like you just like YouTube ad would start and just be like put this thing in VR and you could actually look around and you could see her following you. I'm like, all right, that's a cool idea. It's you know they gotta you know work on it a little more, but I could see movies start taking on virtual reality at some point too. It'd be a pain in the ass to shoot, but it is a possibility. I don't know how you do it, but you think I mean, it would take something away from uh, from Brendan? In terms of an actual movie. Like to me, that feels more like those rides you go to that are, that are like those like fifteen minute movies on like IMAX screens at amusement parks. It's like the, that, yeah. Yeah, like that feels more like that than an actual movie to me. Yeah. What was that first person uh, action movie, Henry? Hardcore Henry. Henry? Hardcore Henry. Like a, a horror movie like shot like that. All Maniac. First person with Elijah Wood. Mm. Well, I still I, need to watch that, but I heard very good, good things about yeah. that. So that might be the next level of of, of this. You know, and, and, like, and, like, and, I've been waiting for that for years now. I feel like you would lose any kind of character development there. You wouldn't have the same. You wouldn't care as much because I mean, I get it. You're you're the character now, but it may it will probably rely, rely more on supporting characters at that point. Mm. You know, and, and them supporting you rather than the other way around. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing. I I, I wonder about how that's gonna affect the. The general public and the people who go to horror movies to do that. I mean, it's funny. Like I've been in a crowd, like in in seeing people react. I mean, hell, like I just got an excellent compliment from Living Nightmares uh, episode two. Oh um, my, the oh um, my, there was a uh, uh, one of my coworkers and he was watching it with his girlfriend, and she was freaked the fuck out when that knock came on. The um, and she's she's like no. Hell no! The um, uh, the um, uh, very animated. Like she, and he was texting me about it and telling me all about it. And I'm like, that's so that it's awesome. I love that. And that was so awesome. But you know, and the funny thing is, I I, I love to hear that. It's funny to talk to people that aren't desensitized yet. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, yeah. like I've realized a bunch of my friends' girlfriends. 
terrified of zombies. If a zombie apocalypse were to happen tomorrow, th- their immediate words, yeah, I'm just killing myself. And <laughs> <laughs> you're going to become a zombie. It's just like, you're not going to try to have fun? Like, seriously? It depends. Sometimes there's something in the air. Sometimes Okay, if you're going off the Walking Dead logic, sure. But I'm just like, wow, this is weird. It's just like, nobody in our group. It's just like, yeah. But I'm like, really? Zombies? That's what makes you kill your... Of all the fucking things, like Terminators, maybe. I mean, they're a little bit harder to fight, which, please, why why did we have to have fucking COVID? I just wanted Terminators. Anyways... Well, you know, and uh, Sarah's big thing is uh, um, is aliens. She just fucking just cannot deal with that. The um, really, they, she prefers the supernatural, you know, elements, and she can deal with you know the the psychotic killer. It's just something about aliens, alien in particular, the alien and aliens movies. I think she has an issue with like, I think like the slime and like the the the, the sheen that of makes everything. Sense, actually. The um, it's a very it's a very thing. You know, so what? I was watching some video. I forget what it was. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it is right now. But basically, the guy was talking about how, in terms of actually scaring your audience, slime will get more of an actual fear reaction than blood, because the slime uh, is so ingrained in like back like millions of years ago it's like the kind of things that would like hunt us and everything like slime is a very organic and um uh what's what i'm looking for here uh it's more a nature thing rather than with blood it's like that kind of that creates a different reaction with us with blood it's like okay it's like if we see another person bleeding we want to help that person whereas with the slime it's there's something that's actually after us that is, a, I mean, you know, the the blobs, perfect example of it. Or the shit. thing, the thing, the fly, uh, the, like, yeah, the all the above, anything with body horror. You know, and, and there was a story that you told me, but I wanted you to talk about it in more detail. Was how your perspective of Alien changed when you saw it in uh, in in um, over at uh, Magic Box? Oh, Magic Box, Magic Box, Magic Box. Jesus, <laughs> all the fucking time. It drives me nuts. God damn it, we talk about that movie. Ugh. Fucking hell, Mark. The, yeah. Anyways, yeah, you know, I... Who asked you? Anyways, yeah, I I had seen Alien God only knows how many times on, you know, like my TV and stuff like that, phone, you name it. I watch the movies all the fucking time. The but only s- reason you haven't seen it more times than me is because I'm older. That's still debatable. I watch those sure. movies a lot. Anyways, I, I went to go see it in a music box with Wes because uh, what's-his-name was going to be there. And Tom Scarrett. Yeah, Tom Scarrett was going to be there. And then also they were doing a film print of it. And I was just like, I missed it when they did the double feature of Alien and Aliens. I'm not missing this one. So, yeah, you missed it too. Me and so many people missed it because nobody fucking knew. We were all pissed. But anyways, I was sitting there watching it in the theater and it's just the sound immersion. I'm just like, I see why this is a horror movie now. When you're watching it in theater, the sound design and everything is just so beautifully done and perfect. It's just like, okay, now I see it. Still doesn't scare me, but I fucking love this movie. And this was the best viewing experience I had of this movie ever. The um, uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's it, that's a fantastic movie, and the tension in that is totally earned in every possible way. And then to mention, I, I never I think bef- I haven't really. It was like Die Hard and Alien were the first times that I ever I ever learned about claustrophobia and like feeling claustrophobic. You know, I'm, for obvious reason, Die Hard, he goes through the vents and then she's in the fucking vents the entire time. So the, the feeling... Uh, claustrophobia, watch the descent. I was going to say, that movie will yeah, make yeah, it feel yeah, fucking oh, weird. Ooh. 
Ooh, that I know movie. a lot of people that that one affected. The oh, yeah. uh, great movie that and that yeah. and that earns every bit of its absolutely. Of its respect. That mo- I I remember watching the movie because that movie actually scared the shit out of my friend when we were kids, and I just never got the chance to watch it. I finally watched it like seven or eight years ago, and I was like, "Wow, this is really fucking good." I'm sad I missed this when it came out because this is beautifully done. The um, you know, I was gonna ask what um, uh, I wonder what scared and Zach, you know, there's nothing, but you know, uh, what scared the shit out of you when you were a kid? Before you really understood, like you know what, you know how this all works and everything right. else. You know, I'm, I was curious about that. I was thinking about that. So I was not uh, censored at all. So I watched Carrie in the, mo- in the movie theater. Watched Jaws. Um, I mean, again, I jumped. I remember Phantasm. Phantasm scared me for some reason. I like Phantasm. Um, and then the uh, the Exorcist. That mm. was that was pretty scary. Oh, you were scared of that one. Yeah, I mean, okay. I was. Did, did you ever? Did I, five, six. Did, did, like did I ever tell you my family story on The Exorcist? Huh. Oh my! So you know, I obviously they make jokes. I, you know, I'm fucking Italian. So my family grew up in a very Italian neighborhood, and all the ladies in in the neighborhood, the older the moms, um, they used to have a card club, but they also used to have like a um, like a prayer meeting, um, like a prayer meeting, and then there actually used to be a statue of the Virgin Mary that would stay in somebody's house for a week, and then they would literally it's. Catholic thing. They um, uh, you know, they got weird shit going on. They um, uh, so the um, uh, so they would literally, you know, go from house to house to house, and somebody would host it, and then that you know the ladies would come over and, and have a prayer meeting, and then have cake and coffee. My uh, my uncle Tommy, um, uh, it was he was living with his mom at the time. I think I told these guys this story. Yeah. Um, uh, the um, uh, the um, he um, he went to go see the Exorcist, and it was his mom's turn to have the Virgin Mary in there. So the kitchen's in the, uh, the kitchen's in the over here, and the living room's over here. Virgin Mary's right here, mm-hmm. and there's a back door, and he came in through the back door, and she's she's at the kitchen table having coffee and cigarette. All the ladies had already left, and she and he walks in with that ten thousand mile stare, just this, <laughs> and then and like and then she's like, she's like, hey Tommy, how was the movie? She, he goes. <laughs> and then looks into the living room, sees the Virgin Mary. How long is she going to be here for? And Mom's like, I don't know, like, I don't know the rest of the week. And he's like, it's like, good, I'm sleeping under her the rest of the week. <laughs> it's funny because when William Freakin made the movie, he considered it a drama, not a horror movie. And in fact, on the Blu-ray special features, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, where there's a point where it's just, yeah, I, thought, I saw it as a drama. But if people want to call it a great movie and they want to pay to see it, they can call it a horror movie all they want. Yeah. The yeah. um. So, go ahead. I also have a funny story for The Exorcist. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember the details entirely, but I remember my grandmother went to go see it, and I think she brought my mom with her to go see it. So they got back home, and they looked upstairs, because we used to live on uh, Ashland or whatever, and they noticed all the lights in the apartment were out. They called my aunt. <laughs> Had her come over, go upstairs, turn every light in the house on, and it's just like you're fucking staying the night with us. See, you know, so like, so those are the best thing. Like those stories are the fucking best. Like all those stories about your family's going to see horror movies and then and then having to deal with it. Dude, well, like, my, my grandparents on my father's side went to see Deliverance because they thought it was a religious movie. <laughs> I mean, it might be, just depends on the religion that you're talking about. I know they walked out. I don't know at what point. (laughs) um, uh, Just just add one more funny thing about The Exorcist. My mom didn't show me that movie for years. Hell, I didn't even know it existed until many moons later. 
And she finally fucking bought the movie. And we were watching it. It was me, my buddy Justin, and my grandfather. My grandfather falls asleep through it. My buddy Justin, he gives up when she does the crab walk down the stairs because he'd seen it. And he was terrified wow, that was of it. The new version. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there. They get to the point where she's stabbing herself with the vagina with the cross. I'm laughing my ass off. And everyone just comes out and looks at me like, are you fucking insane? I'm like, no, this is hilarious. It's fucking you mean wild. to tell me you motherfuckers were scared of this? Did you laugh, Hannah? I did. <laughs> it's like she's stabbing herself in the vagina saying, fuck me with a cross. How is that not hilarious? The, oh, man. My parents saw that movie in the theater, and they took me. They're actually still together. They took me, and I was, was, it, was it probably... The, was two. it when their relationship ended? When there was someone who wanted to take me to the exodus? I think I was maybe two, because I was still in the crib. Oh, my God. Anyway, they come home, and that night, I guess I started imitating, like, making some of the noises from the movie. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking funny. The, um, uh, my, my dad told me a funny story, too, about the first time... I was fucking great. <laughs> like, hold on, I'm gonna take a moment for that one. Wait, wait, wait. Did you stab yourself in the balls and say fuck me? Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Wait, what? <laughs> the... <laughs> this is why nobody watches the podcast. <laughs> a couple of assholes. I got one thing to add. Oh, please. Oh, please. This is gonna go away from the exorcist, actually. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, well, it, it's. I think it's an important thing to talk about as far as being scared about is we got to consider is the sound, music versus not music um, in a movie. Um, for instance, I think there's like certain movie themes that scare the shit out of people. When you hear, you know that that thing's coming. When uh, there's, there's other movies I can think of as an example. One that terrifies the hell out of me um, I've only seen it twice because it freaked me out so much, and it's not technically a horror movie by any means. Is the last scene, it, well, towards the end in Joker, where he's on the set with Robert De Niro, and he's, you know, he's going to pull that gun. And there is a, there is a simmer and, and, a, and a drum beat that keeps building up. It's almost like a heartbeat. I don't know if it's supposed to be like his rage or what it is. But it's just building and building, and to me, that is just that's terrifying, in a way. Well, in the, well, the, you know, the funny thing I, is, I thought that that was. In, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The um, <laughs> I know it takes a second to switch over. The um, uh, the um, so um, and I know that that's actually a famous story about Halloween in particular. There was a um, he had John Carpenter hadn't done the score yet, and he was showing it to a bunch of Hollywood producers and everything else. And the um, and there was no sound. And the uh, and the uh, one of the producers, she said, said, "Oh, movies like this don't really scare me." And then he, uh, about a month later, he had added in the score. And she talked to him afterwards. She said, "This is the most terrifying movie I've ever seen." The um and like and just how completely changed the perspective um, on them. Yeah, that that always comes into play. The sound and you know what's going on and you know I mean. That, you know, that's why we got the great compliment for episode um, uh, number two because that has the best sound design. Um, this, it's fucking creepy. The um, uh, you know, it it works. It, you know, it works completely. Um, I mean, you know, and, and also too, one of my favorites of all time is still uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a phenomenal score, and it gets you right in the fucking you know in the gist of everything. Dude, that fucking nursery run they do one two Freddy's coming oh, for you is brilliant. Christ, yeah. dude, you know you. Go, you hear that, and you, if you were to ever hear that outside, you're just like, oh, 
fuck. The, um, uh, you know, yeah. Somebody call Rooney Mara. She has no emotion. Have her scare Freddy off. The, um... <laughs> Seriously, that remake annoyed the crap out of me. Talk about remakes today. Sorry, the, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, the score is always, always. Um, one quick story because I didn't want to forget it and everything else. It was about um, families watching horror movies. Um, my dad got to um, actually didn't watch Scream in the theaters. He watched it on VHS. And and the one scene that freaked him out for just a second was when Jamie Kennedy is watching is watching Halloween. And then the the truck, they're watching Jamie watch Halloween, and the killer's behind him. And my dad's like, if they're watching him, and then he's watching that, who's behind me? The um, uh, and, and they're like, oh, that's so simple, but so fucking funny and effective. The um, uh, those are always the best. But yeah, scores and sound design, you know, play such a you know an aspect. And as the joke goes, you don't want to be scared by a horror movie. Turn the sound off. You know, you won't you won't you won't be that scared. The um, uh, watch a horror movie on mute. It, it's not going to be anywhere near as effective. The um, uh, I, I don't know. Like, what's you know, what are some scores for you guys that that really you know take the cake? You've mentioned them. I mean, Jaws. I, I, yeah, that's Halloween. A... I can hear it now. Yeah, Psycho. I can hear it oh, now. Oh, Jesus! Psycho's a great one. Yeah. yeah. I've always liked the Phantasm I, I score. That song she sings mm-hmm. in the ring was this really creepy like. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. I think I, I, think I do remember. Wow, I really don't remember that. Yeah, I must have missed that one. They, uh, you know, there. I mean, there's a bunch of you know great simplistic scores that just fucking work. The um, uh, the um, there was one from from the documentary in Search of Darkness, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was so simplistic and it just fucking worked. It you know it worked in every way. The um, uh, you know, it, it it helps. It helps build to the tension. It helps build to the to the fear. And then also too, you know, certain you know notes and you know and music uh, hit people differently. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, you know, I think somebody the brought brown some, note. Yeah, <laughs> word. <laughs> the um, uh, the, the the truth is out there, bro. The um, uh, you know, it, it, Jaws is interesting because somebody brought it up recently. Like, it, it, yeah, that that note is terrifying, Dan. But the thing is, though, about Jaws, the score as, as a whole, it's propulsion. You know, if you li- really listen to it, it's the beats get get mm-hmm. more progressive and faster and louder. And, you know, you can't stop it. You mm-hmm. can't stop these notes. They're coming for you. They're going to get you. Like, you know, and that and that's what makes it so effective is, you know, is, is a constant propulsion. Ironically, it's fucking sharks. That's what sharks do. They're in on constant propulsion. You know, eating death. It's primal. It's very, very primal. The um, And it works. The um, and it works, and then you get you know situations like the birds when there's no fucking sound, and that's really right. creepy. Mm. The um, the ending in the birds is fucking terrifying, or at least it was for me when I saw it. The um, uh, I, I know I know Vinny's a big Hitchcock fan, so there's plenty of examples there you know, of lack of sound or and or having sound. Well, I would say also uh, besides Hitchcock, some of the earliest movies that didn't use I was because I was gonna say you got the music, but the lack of music. Um, I think a couple movies that really are still have effective scenes with the lack of music is actually the original Dracula, Frankenstein, and The Mummy from Universal. Um, the Mummy has this great sequence at the beginning where Karloff as The Mummy has just come to life, and it's quiet. I mean, you hear the sound in the tomb, you hear the guy ruffling around looking at the scroll, but you just see Karloff's eyes open and you hear his arm move and then the next thing you see is the guy working and all of a sudden you just see Carlos's hand come over in a shadow and then you see the mummy's hand come over and get close to him and start grabbing the scroll and pulling it away. It's, I think it's just so effective not having any music there at all.
the um, you know Zach, you've been watching horror movies forever. I mean, you know, scores were probably really important, or maybe you didn't even realize how important. I mean, did they? You know, I mean, oh, definitely. As time has gone on, like I've grown a much bigger appreciation for scores and stuff. Like I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, yo, movies don't have good scores anymore. <laughs> like they really lack it. Like when it comes to iconic scores of like the past like ten years or something, I can't think of any. Brandon brought up a good point. Like one that was you know actually had a score was Preacher. Uh, what's his name had one. Yep. Um, what the fuck's the guy's name? Um, the Sound of Killers. Yeah. yeah, Sound of Killers. He had a he had his own like score and stuff. I hated it. I thought it sounded terrible. But it's something yeah. I know where and it's from. One of the things that made me think Preacher has some of the best music in film and TV today is, especially with the villains, they have their own motifs, and it's like when you hear that certain music coming on, you know that character's coming. Um, another example of a good like. The Mummy from 1999. If I were to hear Emotep's theme, I would know it. If I were to hear Evie's theme, I would know it. If I were to hear Brandon Fraser's theme, I would fucking know it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, I, I feel like we've kind of gotten away from motifs and reactionary scores. Um, In the name of freaking licensed tracks. Licensed like, tracks, or it's like... So yeah, I do feel like scores have really gotten away from like reactionary scores, uh, motifs... Uh, I can't even think of like the last real theme we've gotten in a long time. Yeah, like, like what's the la- like? I can't really think of any scores I've really like gotten into. Like I like everybody talks about the Jaws score, like we've said. But I mean, it's amazing and it's like a classic one. But I mean, like the only one I can think of it personally, I think it fucking sucks. But it's there is the Avengers one. Like in all the movies, that's the only one that really has a fucking theme to it. Is the Avengers theme. The rest of the characters, it's I'm like. To remember it. Oh no! Wait, yeah. fucking Wonder Woman. That stupid ass guitar solo. Well, there was also Dude. like she had that, and I, but yeah, it's like I can't even think of horror movies. That's in all the, can, the all DC can, ones. Yeah, a few of the DC ones, and then I, I don't know if people will agree with me on this one, but maybe like Inception. Inception was like, yeah. Inception might be the last like yeah. score that's really yeah. gotten to the zeitgeist of popular culture. And, and that's and there's a huge difference between being an enjoyable score and then going, holy shit, I remember this. Like you can yeah. hear it, in, you know, in in those few notes. Those are special. The um the one I can think of from my own childhood that's more more of the recent ones and everything else that's memorable is Goosebumps. The um I I can I remember Goosebumps all the time you know dun, 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 dun. like I I mean that's that's really easy to remember the um and it's part of that and it's in the zeitgeist and I guess Inception is to a, yep. to a degree you know but Jurassic Park is in there as well true I mean if we want to go from my childhood the Spider Man theme the Sam Raimi ones I fucking love that one that was a good theme yeah, yeah. dude I, um it, y- another good one was the Incredible Hulk the mm. what's it called the one with um not Edward Norton the one before that Banner yeah. That one actually had a good score to it, too. Like, Danny Elfman. That movie, you, you may not like the movie. Soundtrack was great. <laughs> yeah, Danny Elfman that makes a lot of memorable scores. And Pirates actually, of the Caribbean. J- Jack Sparrow. Fucking, he, yeah. he has his motif, too. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Darth Vader. The, um... Oh, of course, uh, Darth Vader. Like, fucking special. Look, the, the, look, no one's getting... The prequels, hate the love them or... Like, hate them all you want. The fucking score to those movies... Well, yeah, um, fa- uh, Duel du- of Fate. Shore for Lord of the Rings, his score for those is great. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- those are... But right. again, these are movies pre-2010. Yeah. yeah That's the problem. Like, pre- like, all of this is pre-2010. Everything after 2010, it feels like, for the most part, it's just kind of 
Well, fuck it. Well, you don't know. Let's no. just put "Welcome to the Jungle" for the fifteenth billionth time. <laughs> you know, you know that's and that's the shitty part is because it, that has to do with just the industry as a whole and how like nothing original is coming out. And you know, and people fucking wonder why people are so easily desensitized to films. It's like it's because it's the same shit. No one's doing anything new. And people wonder why, you know, especially guys like us who know how the, how the movies are made, it's getting to the point where the people who don't know how the movies are made are going like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's, it's you know, whatever. But I mean, like, the movies that were made that were breaking new ground. You know, say what you want about Friday the 13th. Like, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, like, it's, it's if you watch it, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. It's a fun movie. But it broke ground. Like, it did something different than other movies had not done before. I mean, you know, like, you know, uh, killer, you know uh, killer in the Woods. It's, you know, it's Cabin in the Woods. It's, you know, like, there's a lot of interesting things going on there. And those are themes that, that, that echo for decades after the fact. It broke ground. Um, also, it was extremely violent for its time. True. Yeah. Very, very true. Like, and you compare the violence to that movie versus the slashes from beforehand, and it's like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, in, you, know, you have Halloween that started it, and when Psycho, maybe a little bit beforehand, you know, started that whole, you know, to wave. Since the Massacre had no blood in it. Toby Hooper was trying to make a PG movie there. <laughs> that <was> <laughs> that it, makes sense. But it, it, it broke ground. Like, you know, you know, it, Chucky broke ground. The, um, uh, you know, things that are innocent are now are not so innocent anymore. But then there's a whole string of movies. Even Friday the 13th, there was a whole fucking string of movies after the knockoff. Nightmare on Elm Street. You can't get much more. <laughs> How can you escape your nightmares? They have everyone dreams and everyone has nightmares. So there's nothing new going on. That's why you got to go to the independent market. That's where all the that's where all the fun shit's happening. Mm, yeah. That's why I said earlier. I'm like I find myself enjoying independent movies because they're original. They're doing new shit. They're doing cool shit. They're I mean, doing even, fun shit. And you don't even have to go that low budget either. Like even Blumhouse is doing some good stuff, like The yeah. Invisible Man. Like look at what they did with. A universal monster next to what actual Universal tried to do with their monsters with the mummy and Dracula unwatched. I mean, um, I wouldn't even use that as a Bloomhouse example. I would use like Freaky and uh, what the hell is it called? Freaky, uh, Happy, Happy Death, Death Day, Day, Get Out, Us. Um, yeah, they've had some really good stuff. You've been very unique. Truth or dare? Really? <laughs> you know, you could do it's something good with that, but it's just terribly done. The, uh, I mean, what, you know, what is it yeah, with with you, Marcus? You know, do you believe that original ideas are a huge part of, um, you know, keeping that fear and in, 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 in what scares us and what will continue to scare us and be new and inventive? I would love to hear what you have to say. Definitely, about that. It certainly helps. I mean, there's a reason there's so many remakes and reboots and sequels. It's they they lack originality. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with Zach that most of the interesting new stuff is is independent now. Yeah. And, yeah, if you want to scare people or at least get catch people off their guard, you've got to go different and can't do the same old thing. Otherwise, yeah, because like, like you said, we've the seen movies this, that were scary this. in 1980 is because those movies were about things that were going on in the 80s. And I do feel like we also have, and this is a very much a problem with our genre, is that there's too much 80s worship, pretty much. It's like people are trying to be like 80s throwback, 80s this. Um, but those movies worked in the 80s because they were in the 80s. They were a reaction to what was going on at the times in the 80s. And so I feel like there's not a lot of embracing of what are the fears of this time in horror. Um, so it's like, I feel like if we really, if 
somebody really does want to push horror forward, it's I think they need to be true to what are the fears of society right now. That's part of the reason. Rather I think than trying to recreate the fears of the past. Right. That's part of the reason I think Get Out's one of the best films I've seen in a long time, if if not ever. I love that movie. And it's definitely a unique take on, you know, fears. Yeah. The um, you know, especially with it, you know, the funny thing is, is is it has a lot of other undertones and everything else, of course, to it. But you know, online dating, the um, meeting somebody, you know, in that kind of world and everything else, that's a fear. That's a modern fear unto itself. The um, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of interesting things there. You know, with knowing people, not knowing people, and that, I think that's why like Black Mirror is doing a lot of great stuff. You know, like they're 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 make, they're making more of a statement about what's going on in today. You know, and everything else. So, I, you know, I'm curious to bring that up to you guys, you know, like to even more expand upon it. What are some, what do you think are some fears that, you know, that work, that are working today that nobody's really touched? You know, like, you know, everybody's doing 80s throwback shit and, and you know, and they're going like, you know, like 80s, 80s. And I, I find it hilarious. They haven't even reached the 90s yet. They're still stuck in the fucking 80s. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, there's plenty of fear in the 90s. The, um, uh, you know, it, it, the, I think... You know what? What are some interesting fears that you think that haven't really been covered? And hell, I'm gonna do that as the question of the podcast. The um, uh, the I think that that's a uh, a good question to ask. What are some modern fears that you think you would like to see in in some of these movies covered? Personally, I don't think I can do. I don't feel I can do that question justice. Just being hit with that question right now. In fair a enough. Short amount of time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let. I, I guess I can let you go last and everything else. And <laughs> no, well, like that's my answer. Okay. Fair enough. They, I realize it's a bit of a cop out, but no, it's like that's that, that. I feel like that question almost deserves its own podcast. Fair enough. Fair enough. The um, uh, um the what about what about you guys? You know, I'm gonna throw out the movie Antebellum. I'm guessing you guys haven't seen it. It's, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's interesting. It's interesting fear. It's an interesting take on it. What was it about? Um, It's about, it looks like it's about slavery. Okay. That's what it looks like it's about, and that's all I'm going to tell you. So you'll, you know. (laughs) Okay. But it's, it's, it turns, because I said, this isn't what I thought it was. I watched it with my wife, and she said, what did you think it was? I thought it was a horror film produced by Jordan Peele. And I don't think it was produced by Jordan Peele, but it did turn out to be a horror film. Okay. So... It just takes its time to get there, and once it gets there, you're like, ah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I can see how that's incredibly frightening. The, um, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Technology. I, I agree. The, um, expand like, on that. I mean, shit, there's almost, like, there's eyes and ears everywhere you are nowadays. Like, like privacy is almost a thing of the fucking past. So it's like if somebody really wanted to right now, if they were to hack Mark's laptop, they could watch this whole conversation we're having right now. There's a lot of interesting things to expand upon that. Yeah. Anything else? Like, Actually, go ahead. Please, please, please. I was going to say, you know, we're getting closer to Terminators than I ever really like to be. <laughs> it's a, Even though I keep saying I'd love to see a rise of T-800s, at the same time I'm like, that's a nuclear warfare I also don't want to deal with. It's just the preferred apocalypse I would choose to deal I with. I prefer to live comfortably than dealing with T-800s walking around. The, uh, yeah, you know, and, and that's why people crack that joke about, you know, like, um, uh, you know, Skynet, I mean, Google. The, um, uh, <laughs> the, um... Uh, there's a lot of interesting things there. Too much power. I'm very against connecting everything. Like, every time I see an Alexa in somebody's house, the first thing I think is, you fucking moron. 
Everything's listening gonna... in. Yeah. This has been a while around for a while though. If you think of 1984 and oh yeah, um, Big Brother and all that, it's it's happening. It's been around, but yeah, it's I see it happening right in front of us, and I just see people eating it up. I'm just like, oh, for the love of Christ! I, I'm gonna try to do this super quickly because I know Mark wants to answer his question. I'm actually gonna guess. toss. I'm gonna toss it over. I'm gonna toss um, it over to the, our guest, but please. But don't. this is just this just reminded me of something. But have you ever seen the Disney movie Tomorrowland with George Clooney? Mm-hmm. Um, ah, yeah. Okay, movie, but really interesting philosophy behind it, where it's like basically. The point the villain was trying to make is we basically fetishize like the apocalyptic technology fantasy and we're basically willing um, dystopia into our own lives rather than embracing what the what good things technology can bring. It's like we only want to focus on the bad and that's sort of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I thought that was a very interesting philosophy and in, uh Disney movie of all the places. It's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, I personally just wouldn't want to even give the damn thing a chance, but, you know, I like to have contingencies for every possible event, so my contingency is don't connect artificial intelligence to nuclear weapons in all your home cellular devices. <laughs> the, I'm going to toss it over to our guest. All right. Um, I'm going to go out a little bit here. I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I'm, I'm going to go out and say I think one of the biggest things nowadays that they should do something with is the media. And how does the media connect to the government? It's and a good one. Who do you believe? Yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. telling the Information truth? warfare. Information warfare. Uh, propaganda war. Yeah. What, who do you believe anymore? It's a good one. And if you can get them to believe you, you can manipulate the government. Do exactly. anything. Exactly. That almost happened. The, it came exactly. scarily close to actually happening. The, yeah. yeah, what can you do? Yeah. Exactly. Hannah, I'd be very interested to hear yours as well. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I'm kind of with you on the dating thing. Uh, just with all the online dating and especially being a woman, it's kind of like, you know, women have to look out for each other, but what if there's that case where you don't have someone looking out for you? Or maybe they've been lied to by the same person into thinking that it's not what it is. You know, there could be a lot of Really interesting kind of thrillers, psychological thrillers that could kind of come from that, I think. Yeah, the, um, uh, and, and I think it switched over to me. Um, the, I know it takes a little bit to, to do the transition. <laughs> the, uh, so I think, I think the one big thing for me is um, just because, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, you know, we live in a very tumultuous political time the, um, where things are very divisive and it's either here or here. It's very black and white. Mm-hmm. I think the two biggest things that I think would be interesting to explore is one um, having the entire you know entire mainstream society against everything that you are as a person, um, uh, and you know and and you know are you? It's kind of like it's kind of like um, a beautiful mind or, or Shutter Island in a political sense. Are you the crazy one, or is everybody else the crazy one? The um, uh, and, and and it's you know how does this work in this dynamic? And I think and then the one thing too is you know from a and almost be from a body horror perspective of of people trying to change who you are as a person to fit whatever mold, um, uh, you know, or you know, even removing. This is a discussion that Hannah and I have had on a, on a couple of occasions, which was removing aggression or alpha characteristics from you, so you can become more beta or effeminate. The um, uh, you know, and you know, and either or that or removing those people from society. And putting them in mental as- asylums, mm. 
because you you know you're against the mainstream so we're going to put you in we're going to put you away from society because we deemed you that it's very v for vendetta in that way the um uh, you know we're very much putting you over here and that's an interesting uh, you know fear to do that is how not only you know it's not only about control it's about how certain emotions and certain characteristics are not good for uh, for society and what they're trying to build so they're going to remove you from society or make you think you're insane for believing what you believe and, and being who you are in any way in any capacity the um uh, you know and if you don't you know follow this uh, you know beaten path you're going to be put off that as a as an artist and you know and, and I know it's kind of douchey to call yourself an artist but but that's essentially what we are as an as an artist artistic people that's fucking terrifying mm-hmm. you know cuz well, cuz that's what we do definitely outside the norm yeah, that's well that's that's true too <laughs> but i mean but but we're also our passions our job what we're paid to do is to think outside the box mm-hmm. and create things that are outside of of the normal philosophy to challenge people i often you know and, and this goes to a deep thing with me Somebody, you know, a long time ago, somebody asked me why you act. And I think I said this in another interview, but I think this is important. And I, and I said, well, it's two reasons. One, it's, one is selfish and one is selfless. The one that's selfish is I get an adrenaline buzz off creating. It's fun. It's fun to fuck around. Love Zach knows this, you know, hey, better than anybody. Brandon knows this. I've, I've gotten a chance to, to pitch stuff. Vinny definitely knows this, you know, because him and I have pitched shit off of each other all the time. Um, Hannah and I enjoy talking about creative things. I enjoy talking about creative things. And with everyone around me and everybody that I love and care about. And that's a, a wonderful journalist. But the other thing is, is I wanted to bring something to an audience. Um, I want to make them laugh. I want to make them cry. I want to make them feel afraid. Um, uh, you know, I want to make them, and more importantly, um, I want to make them think. I want to make them react. Maybe change their perspective on something. See something a different way from a different angle. Or maybe even more importantly, pull them away um, from their very hard lives and give them a chance to re- to decompress and and just say and just enjoy watching a bunch of teenagers get killed because it's it's fun and silly and everything else. So we get to have a good time. That's our responsibility as as artists and as filmmakers and actors and everything else and as writers. You know, we're allowing audiences to take a step away from their lives that they may be going through hell. You know, but. They, 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 they step into this little universe that we've created for them and they get a chance to take a breath and, you know, and laugh and get scared and you know, maybe cry and we think about something different and change their perspective. And that's a, a wonderful, wonderful thing very few people can actually honestly say, and I told you this earlier, that they, can, they truly love what they do. And that's the, not only the, you know, what I love and, what, and what's great, but it's also my responsibility to do that. And when you take those people out of your society, the society crumbles as a whole because there's nothing for anybody to look forward to. There's nothing else. It's very dreary. It's very Mad Max at that point. Mm-hmm. That, that's what scares the shit out of me. Yeah. The, um, and I probably should have answered this earlier, but that's what really scares the shit out of me when we stop being challenged as people and we become complacent and we, and we don't t- challenge the status quo and we don't Try to push the envelope, push the boundaries, and make people think about different perspectives. The um, so, but that's what we're doing here. The, I love um, to make people think. That's one of my favorite things I can do as a writer. Um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's kind of simpler to make them laugh. I think it's simpler to make them, 
you know, be scared or creeped out or something like that. But to make people think, you know, take something they've thought this whole way their whole life and you show them how it could be different. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, you're talking about curing or getting rid of, you know, people who are outside the box like us. Why can't you just cure what is whatever's wrong with them? Like cure rage like they did in uh, 28 Days Later. Mm. I, that's part of the reason I, that's one of my all-time favorite horror movies is they were trying to do the, you know something good they're trying to cure rage and well shit look what happened yeah. they spread it throughout the entire uh, human civilization now yeah, everybody's what's left of it yeah. yeah you know it's it's the old you know <clears throat> a, the you know uh, <laughs> the the most evil acts in the world start with the greatest you know uh, the, best the, intentions best intentions what's the uh, the, the road pa- uh, the road uh, to the hell road is, to hell is, is paved, paved with good, good intentions. intentions the road yes. to hell is paved with good intentions yes the um uh, you know and then you, know, you either or my favorite you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain right on uh, one of my biggest fears right now is is very practical or some people might think it's not and that's the shooting uh, whether it's a mass shooting whether it's a school shooting I told you I, the thing i'm afraid of is something happening to my kids and i understand that the statistics are still very low but we hear about it all the time and just because statistics are low i mean the kids the statistics of kids getting covid and something bad happening is incredibly low that doesn't mean i haven't put masks on my kids every time we go out of course i have just in case so yeah that scares the shit out of me something well, it's, it's 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 like it's like it's like sharks. You got a better chance of getting killed by a fucking vending machine than you do. Uh, you know, I just did a fact on that. You know, two point seven people have been murdered by vending machines since nineteen seventy three. You know how many people on average per year been killed by a shark? One. They uh, so you got a better chance of getting killed by that. A fucking... Average is wrong, but still, that's it, besides it, the point. It, it, but it's it, Peter Benchley, the author of Jaws, even once said, "If I knew how how sharks actually behaved when I wrote the book, <laughs> I wanted to have actually written the book." <laughs> and then he'd be broke, and we would, and I, that movie poster wouldn't be there. Exactly, it was um, both a blessing and a curse. But at the same time, it's also like. You're not in the ocean every damn day. <laughs> the moment you step into the ocean, those chances go from 1% to at least 30 to 40. Yeah, it, it, it depends. I'm not an ocean. That's what I always hate about those. That's what I always hate about those stupid statistics. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than getting eaten by a shark. Yeah, no shit. There's more people on land than there are people in the ocean. Stupid. <laughs> oh, that is still part of the data. Maybe. I don't give a shit. <laughs> the uh, the we're gonna tell them at least put that little cliff note in there. But keep in mind, there are more people on land than there are in the fucking ocean. If we lived in the ocean, I guarantee those stats would change. Well, you know, and that's the funny thing is that you know, and and, and fears change with the times. You know, in the eighties, oh, in the eighties, it was AIDS. The um, uh, you know, that that was the big thing. It was still the same thing in nineties. You know, and the um, the nineties were another another interesting time about. You know, teenagers, you know, being involved in murder, they, you know, whether it be through mass shootings, whether it be through, you know, just, you know, fucking violence in the streets. Colts. Colts. There's a lot of that shit, yeah. too. That kind of, kind of made, it was big in the 70s, and then it made a comeback in the 90s. Yeah. I find that very interesting. I think it was the internet. The internet coming into its emphases at that point. Was... Well, you have that happening again, actually. I mean, there's almost like, I would say there's almost just this idea of people getting crazy ideas from just the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just there's off endl- each other. Yeah, there's just endlessness, and there's just also endless misinformation. But you could also just go and look up whatever the hell you want, and it's just not it's really also a it's question. Just there, you know? Another thing we also have to question is how much did this stuff happen before the internet? Because don't forget, before the internet, 
Shit like this still happened. You just didn't just hear about it as much. Could be. So that's another thing to take into consideration. And then it goes down to the perception of, of you know, was it always as big as it, you know, was it always as big? And is it still always as big? I think that there's, you know, and I think that that's, there's something interesting about a fear of a society of, you know, it's very sci- more sci-fi than horror, but it's a fear about society about what happens when you when you have everything. They, um, uh, when you have instant gratification, when you have it, you don't have to earn it. You know, it's going back to the cheap jump scares. You know, it, you know, it, you know, if you don't have to earn shit, you don't have to earn that knowledge. Uh, you know, you don't have to earn that. You know, that time that you spent learning that knowledge. Um, uh, you know, is there any value to it? The um, and what happens then? You know, it's kind of now when people are just angrily, you know, <laughs> shouting at each other in the internet. You know, the funny thing is that you know I've always noticed that it has so much more to do with something else going on in that person's life. Oh yeah, they're deeply unhappy. Yeah. But if you get a whole generation there are a lot of unhappy people on cruise ships the uh i believe that <laughs> i believe that um you know what that's dealing with the public is uh <laughs> you know what that's a horror movie that never, never got covered horror movie on a cruise ship that'd be cool yeah it was Please called no. deep rising the oh yeah damn. i love another it. movie with benny i did i love that movie it's God, so it's so, it's so fucking sci-fi of the week but i fucking love it it's still amazing the um uh, but yeah there's something to be said about that something about society you know society and everything else and dealing with that general public and then the the online dating thing, man. You you had some stories back in the day before you met your gal. Yeah. The um. So you had all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. The um. I uh, deal with. So you know, the, I think internet. You know, internet culture, um, is not being as effective in horror. And I think that's something interesting to say. You know, and that's by the way, so much is, and that's part of horror too. That's really good. It's about conquering your fears. And about you know, and about being a triumph over it. Most horror movies, man, are you know the the final girl in a, in a horror movie. It's about triumph over evil. You find the best parts of humanity in the darkest the darkest places. They um uh, and nobody now is willing to face the darkness and go, yeah, this is fucked up. Let's talk about it. They um because it's interesting. I I totally oh, agree. And actually, really, I mean, I think it goes back to that movie we saw about the school shooting. You know, that's mm-hmm. such a problem in our society but it's like people were scared to make that movie even because heaven forbid you talk about this issue and you show how truly scary that is for these kids you know i think it's almost like we're not willing to take those risks you know even with um there was that one movie a while back about like friend requests you know there was a lot of different like facebook friend movies like it goes awry and it doesn't end up being what you thought but even then they just they kind of missed i think just the idea of the true fear of being online with all these people you don't know and what could they possibly do. I haven't seen a movie that's really done that yet. That'd be something to explore. It's yeah. very scary if you think about it. The, um, it could get scary. Yep. Honesty. Nobody's honest. The, um, uh, it's an important thing. You gotta be honest. I think we're good for final thoughts. We've I been going so a little too. long on this one. Yeah. This, uh, this is a very good conversation, I think. Oh, I agree 100%. I think this is one of our best podcasts in a while. Yeah, it feels good to be back to long form. Yeah, nice. So, uh, uh, Brennan, um, final thought? Hey, well, you're, you're the leader of this discussion, so you got to go around. Uh, Zach, final <clears throat> thoughts? Squirrels. Uh, Mark, <laughs> final thoughts? Um, do what you love to do and don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. The That's my final thought. Marcus, final thoughts? Don't be afraid to take chances. Kind of the same thing. Don't hurt my kids. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny and Hannah, final thoughts? 
Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like great. I, I'm stumped actually for oh. the final thought. Um, I don't know. It's it, things need to get original again. Um, things need to stop being rehashed. Nostalgia's fun, but start putting some original ideas in there and don't be afraid to go across against the grain, especially when it comes to major studios. Right. And, and I, I agree with Marcus, what he said earlier about how he, he loves to make people think. I think we need to keep having really rich dialogue and um, really deep concepts and themes and motifs. We need to kind of bring back the art into horror and you know make people think. When you said you agreed with Marcus, I'm like, wait, you have kids? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, you to say, yeah, Vinny, don't hurt his kids. <laughs> don't I was like, wait, kids. Vinny, you have kids? Holy shit, why didn't we know? <laughs> anyway, my final thought. Oh, uh, my final thought would be uh, you're not impressing anybody by pretending nothing scares you, that movies can't creep you out. <laughs> um, sit back and enjoy the ride. Nice. The, uh, my... You're just cheating yourself at a good time. All you need to do is have a good time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nightmares podcast. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, we are on video now. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to all previous episodes of the Nightmares podcast, wherever podcasts are available. Also be sure to follow us on social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. And of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you can stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on MHN. We have a brand new episode of Living Nightmares, episode number four. Please go check it out. It's fantastic. We all worked our asses off on it. Everyone at this table, and including Vinny over there at the tech booth, worked incredible, and Hannah was a great emotional support because it's a really, really fucking stressful time. The oh my. So uh, we appreciate you all so, so much for checking out this, and we will see you next time on the Nightmares Podcast. <laughs>